Have you been considering taking your horse or Western photography passion to the next level? Hi, it's Kara with Cowgirls with Cameras, and I want to tell you about our Cottonwood Ranch photography experience in August. This experience is a workshop, portfolio builder, business clinic, and gathering set in the majestic scenery of the Nevada mountains. This event is learning intensive and full of shooting opportunities that feature ranch work, western horses, cowboys, cowgirls, horses, and dogs. You'll walk away feeling more confident in your camera editing and business skills, shoot a few thousand images, and gain new friends in the process. Our events are always focused on collaboration over competition, and our three instructors, myself, Kim Beer, and Phyllis Burchette, are all deeply passionate about seeing you reach your photography goals. To learn more about this event and other photography adventures we have coming up, head over to cowgirlswithcameras.com. It's time to laugh, learn, and take your photography to the next level with your favorite Cowgirls with Cameras, Kara, Kim, and Phyllis. Welcome to the Cowgirls with Cameras podcast. I'm Kim with Kim Beer Photography and Be More Business. I'm Kara with Fast Horse Photography. And I'm Phyllis with Phyllis Burchette Photo. Good morning. Good morning. I feel like I just saw you guys like a couple days ago. Is that? Well, you kind of did. <laughs> Out in sunny Arizona. <laughs> yep. It's definitely way sunnier in Arizona than it has been here in Georgia. Yes. Yes. Same here. I've got a photo shoot scheduled for today and it's like gloom, gloom, gloom out there. But it's actually very warm here in Georgia too. So <laughs> well, we've got like a hundred year fog going on here. It is crazy foggy. Like you can't hardly see in front of you. It's been foggy since I got home from Arizona. It's it's actually a little bit on the crazy foggy side. Well, we had a good time out there though, even though we came back to weird weather. <laughs> it was nice to go somewhere warm. I left here at negative like 11 or 14. It kind of shifted on the truck and landed in like 60 and 70 degree weather. So that was super awesome to be able to be warm and sunny. Yes, it was a really great event, a little bittersweet with Tammy's passing, but I think it was a beautiful event in her memory and honor and tribute to her and all that she's done for the Western industry. It was really nice. I agree. And we met a lot of great people. Yes, we did. Gosh, the connections. Yeah. We also had great students at this event. I mean, people were very enthusiastic to learn very interested in developing their equine photography skills and their equine photography businesses. And that was fun. And also we got to see so many former students that had been through this and other events. It's always fun to go somewhere where we get to see former students and learn about where they are in their businesses and what's coming up for them and see uh, what Cowgirls with Cameras events they're interested in coming to this year and shooting with us. Yeah, it's always so cool to see how they're progressing. And gosh, I just think it's amazing to see all the new opportunities they're having with their businesses. It's really cool. Getting back to, I've been every few hours checking the social feeds because I want to see their pictures because everybody's been posting their pictures. And I'm trying really hard to like share as many of them as I can because it was just, to me, I mean, I spend most of my time at the event at the booth as one of the booth babes. And I get out and walk around a little bit, but I don't do a lot of shooting. So 
I'm like, oh my gosh, I missed that. Or that was so cool. That must have been really neat to see because you just don't realize how much is going on at that event all at one time until you start seeing the pictures that the photographers are sending. Because then you really get, I mean, I'm like, wow, look at all that they photograph, but look at all the things that they got to see. So it was I don't know. I'm kind of loving seeing everybody's pictures and sharing them. There was some really great clinicians this year. Temple Grandin. Oh, my gosh. That was the highlight of my week, getting to hear her talk. And just Nick Dowers and uh, just so many great, great clinicians that gave presentations. And I think for the participants, too, there was so much education there. And even outside of photography, which really helped them, as we like to tell them, to get to know their subject. And I think all these clinicians really helped them to get to know more about horses and, and the Western events and the horse training and everything that will help to make them better photographers. So it's a really great event for that, too, just to help you know your subject better. Oh, yeah. Even just understanding terminology and listening to the way people talk about horses and refer to horse attack and equipment and stuff like that. I mean, I think that some of our participants at this event even were able to get new information about that so they can better talk to potential clients down the road. Yeah. And understand how to make a horse look really good in an image. I mean, what riders are looking for and what riders are doing on the horses and then learning how to capture that in a way that shows the horse in the best light. I agree. There were so many. And I'm with you, Phyllis. I was fangirling over Temple Grandin. I have always wanted to hear her speak. And I've never had the opportunity whenever she's here in Kansas City, which she does come through here. Well, not frequently, but often enough that I should have been able to get to one of her, her presentations. But there was always something up like it was either sold out or it was on a day when I couldn't come. So being able to see her and then the combination of her with Kurt Pate and showing us all the livestock handling techniques. It was so, so cool. And then I got to connect with my good friend who I haven't seen in a really long time, Michael Richardson, who is another really amazing clinician and it's just an amazing human being that was so much fun. I was just going to say that your friend Michael was so cool. I wish I had gotten to listen to more of him, but the one I did get to go to was so it was very enlightening and his combination with, what was it, neuroscience? <laughs> neuroscience. Yeah, he's got a neuroscientist that's hanging out with him that's talking about how horses and humans communicate with each other and how horses show their responses, their stress responses. You know, I've been in the horse world since before I could walk. And I learned a few things this weekend about horses and about handling horses and handling stock and I absolutely love that. And I don't think anything would be complete without giving a shout out to at least two that I can think of. If you guys have any more, a shout out to Western Horsemen for being so kind to us and talking to our participants and helping them understand the publishing industry. I mean, I think that packs so much value for the people that come to our clinic but also it's just such a cool thing to meet those girls. They're so enthusiastic about what they do. And it was really a lot of fun to spend some time with them and get to know them. And then also our friends at the Cowgirl Artists of America, Megan, and we're all three members of that organization and getting to spend a little time with them and Megan in person. She's another person who just has the dearest personality and just a kind and sweet human. And I just adore anytime I'm around her. And then we also had Boss Mayor. Does one of you want to talk about that? 
Well, the Osmer, of course, is kind of Kate's baby, but between Kate and Abigail, the freelance Bermuda, and oh, just having them come and talk to our group about publishing or being published as well was really helpful. And then they had two amazing events there where they served lunch. Basically, it was the boss mayor's creation to serve lunch and see if they had a tax accountant and talking about marketing and just different things that they had some different speakers come in and talk to the group about, not our group, but just at their luncheon they did, which I thought was really innovative and great to get their name out because Kate's just now starting that. So I thought that was really good. Big shout out and thanks to Kate and Abigail for that. Yes. And Western Horseman too, always appreciated. And it was neat to learn more about Megan with Cowgirl Artists of America and her background too. I thought that was interesting because I really didn't know that much about Megan. So that was neat to get to sit and chat with her a little bit about her beginnings back in Texas on the ranches and everything. So that was cool. I definitely would encourage folks that you mentioned, Boss Mares, to check them out online. It's bossmaresinc.org. They are newly founded, but they did have a decent presence at Art of the Cowgirl. And like you said, they had a couple of presentations and whatnot. But they are hoping to do business and education grants that allow women entrepreneurs to work on things that they want to work on from a professional standpoint. They are also going to do a couple of lead the herd workshops and all sorts of different just stuff in the industry that you really need to know. Everything from accounting and finance, leadership and career, legal counsel, marketing, that sort of thing. So if you're just looking for something, you can go on and sign up for their newsletter to learn more. You can even sponsor if you're a business. So there's all sorts of stuff on the website. And I just wanted to throw out their website since we mentioned it here. Absolutely. So all in all, Art of the Cowgirl was a great success for us. And this event is so near and dear to our hearts. There's only one more thing I really want to mention, and that is how much we are missing Tammy Pate and how much we missed her at this event and how special she really was to this whole industry and especially artists and photographers. It was really special to get to go to her Rodier at the event And I thought it was so well done. And it was so interesting to learn about points of her life that were away from her professional face, where we learned about more about Tammy as a human. And I think it was a wake up call. I mean, I was privileged to get to see her in a little different light because I've met her many, many years ago when her and Kurt were, well, Kurt was doing the cult startings and she was there with him, with their kids. And so I got to meet her in a slightly different light pre-art of the cowgirl and get to know how she was just a special human all of the way around. Even from the very beginning, she was very special. But I thought that this was a very fitting service and that the people that were there, it was just clear the impact that she had on us. And I think carrying forward her legacy now kind of falls to all of us in showing up for artists and art and passing on our knowledge And if you're on the receiving end of that knowledge, gathering it so that someday you can pay it forward and pay it back both. So I feel like that really, it was bittersweet, like Phyllis said, but it was so honoring of her. And it really ticked something for me to be present for that and how we all need to be cognizant of the legacy that we leave in this world. Ditto all that, Kim. I was so honored to get to go to the Rodeer and even though I cried through most of it, it was beautiful. It really was. And it was very touching and inspirational. Even now, she's really 
left such a legacy. And yes, and it's up to us to carry that on. So here we go, girls. Absolutely. So in the spirit of that, let's dive into what our topic is today, which is artistic photography in black and white. So black and white photography is something very near to my heart because the very first image that I got out into the world that got any recognition was a black and white image. Oh, I didn't know that. Mine too, Kim. Yours too. Good deal. Yeah. It was chosen to go on the cover of a literary magazine at a college. (laughs) So that was so many decades ago. But basically, it was a picture I had taken of a bridge when our little rural area it was a very old bridge and somebody had graffitied the word love on it and it was Missouri in the winter so it was really gritty and I took a picture with the word love and the river behind it so you can see part of the bridge and it did get some fame at least at my local community college it got some fame and it kind of got me inspired as a photographer what's your black and white story Phyllis I'm interested <laughs> I had the pleasure, wow, back in like 2011 to, I had met Bev Pettit online and we got to be friends and she was doing a PPA workshop in Arizona, so at a ranch. And so I went to that and then I got to spend a couple of, well, two or three days afterwards with Bev and we went and shot an Andalusian horse in the round pen with the mountains in the background and all the stunning scenery, but he was in a round pen. And it's so funny because we basically got the same images, Bev and I, (laughs) but I did have one from, well, I had two or three from the shoot, but there was one in particular and it's called Flair. It was just a headshot where he had flipped his, his forelock was flipped over and I don't know. I, you know, I was kind of new in my art career, but it was basically my first image that kind of went, I don't know if you'd call it viral, but it it did kind of go viral back then for, (laughs) for, you know, social media and that kind of thing. And then at the time it was like a huge seller for me. I mean, it still has been a huge seller for me over the years, but yeah, so that was kind of cool. I mean, and it was black and white high key image and it was one of my first and I don't even know what inspired me to create it. I just wanted something to do different. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I've never had any work recognized that was black and white really, you know, in a major way like both of you. But I will tell you that my clients, my portrait clients love black and white imagery. So typically when I do a session, almost all of the images are in color, but there's usually a few that I pull out as appropriate. And usually that comes down to, Kim, I know where you're getting ready to go, which is the emotional element of that. And my clients love those images and I do sell the heck out of them. So another good point about black and white, besides what you're fixing to talk about, Kim, is that black and white will basically go in any kind of decor because it's it's neutral. You know, you don't have to worry about the colors fitting in a room color theme. So yeah, there you go. Go for it, Kim. Kim, ride forward. (laughs) (laughs) I am riding forward. I can guarantee you, if you look at Phyllis's image that got her black and white got got published first in mine, you're going to go, oh my God, Kim is a horrible photographer. It was shot on an AE1. It's halfway out of focus. It's kind of crazy when I look back at some of my images from way back then. But I was very young when I shot that image, and it really was a different way of looking at things. And it was actually shot on black and white film. 
So the difference in today, in our world today, is that pretty much everything is made in color in digital photography. And then it's created, it's a choice to make it into black and white. And you get to choose how you want to tell that story. And what I've been tasked with talking about today in this is that why black and white is important. And then also, what is the emotional connection that we all have to black and white photography? Well, for me, black and white is important in a couple of different aspects. For one, it reduces the image down to light and shadows, which is basically what photography is, correct? I mean, at the end of the day, what we do is light paints an image with light and shadows. So it depends on what is being hidden and what is being revealed. And I think in black and white photography, it creates such an emotional connection with us because it reveals the things in the image that we can connect to. And it makes them very obvious. And years and years ago, when I was studying a little bit with another photographer whose name escapes me at this moment, but the individual told me that, you know, if you really want to look at your composition and your image, if you really want to understand it, even as a color image, reduce it to black and white and then start working on your cropping, then start working how you want to tell that story. And the whole episode that we're doing today was born out of the conversation that the three of us had about art images. We're always getting asked, you know, how do you choose artistic images? How do you create artistic images? What makes an image artistic? And I think when you take that advice that wise photographer gave me, take your color images that you're considering as art or even as you're working through your images and reduce it to black and white in Lightroom or in Photoshop and take a look at it and see what's revealed when you remove the color. Because it's an interesting juxtaposition in our brain because you would think the color would reveal more about the image. But the truth is, is when you reduce it to monotone, which is what black and white is, you reduce it down to its basic elements. And when you do that, it reveals things about that image that you may not have noticed before. So that's a great way for you to start looking through your own images and asking yourself, does this image have, is it storytelling? Is it editorial? Or does it really have some artistic merit that you might want to take a deeper look at? Even if the indecision is that you put the image back in color and that you don't leave it in black and white. Now, for me, I think black and white images evoke emotion in us because part of it is, is that they trigger nostalgia, right? Black and white images and how we have been associated with it in our culture bring back memories of the past. And so I think we approach it with a little bit different attitude as a viewer than we would a color image. And so I think immediately from the get-go, just the fact that it's black and white starts to bring up a nostalgia and emotion in us. And when I was doing a little bit of prep work for this episode to be able to talk a little deeper about the emotion in black and white photography, a couple of places that I was reading, a couple of people that were talking about black and white imagery were talking about the fact it made them melancholic. So that sort of sadness that kind of comes into the emotional play. And again, I think it's that we approach the image with more reverence just because it is black and white. It doesn't have the vibrant colors 
to go along with it. So it reduces it down into those elements. And so the way we approach it is a little different than the way that we would approach a color image. I know that Phyllis and Kara are both going to talk about things about how you can start to look at your images differently when you make them black and white. The only thing I want to add to that conversation, and I'll add it ahead, is that there's really, you know, you can make it black and white, the image black and white, but then there's all kinds of editing that can come after that, that you can choose to put a grittier tone to it. You can choose to put a smoother tone to it. So you still, even though you don't have a wide range of colors to work with, you have a wide range of emotions to attach to that image. So gritty, I personally love gritty black and white images. I like the appearance, even though it's kind of faked in digital photography of the grain that you would get with film photography. I also love infrared where it kind of turns the shadows and the light on their head so that you have to, as the viewer of the image, you have to stay with that image a little bit longer for it to make sense. And then I also really like the smoother black and whites that are creamy. And I, I don't know, I love them all. So, <laughs> and it is because it does have a tie for me to that nostalgia that I spoke about. Well, thank you, Kim. That was great. And you covered so much for me because you're right, that emotion, I think that black and white pulls you in more emotionally, maybe sometimes than color does. But I'm going to talk about what makes a good black and white visually. Obviously, the things that Kim said, of course, composition and all, all your basics of photography, but black and white is really all about balancing the tonality and contrast in your fine art black and white photography. That's really essential to creating some powerful images. The tonality of a photograph refers to the range of tones from black and white to everything in between, while contrast actually refers to the difference between the darkest and lightest tones. Finding the right balance between these elements is really crucial to achieving a really beautiful and expressive image and bringing out that emotion in your image. The contrast in your image will attract the eye immediately and makes you look instantly to the area where the two surfaces meet, where that contrast is. It's what draws the viewer's eye to the image is it creates a sense of depth by increasing the contrast in certain areas of your photograph. Using shadows to create contrast can help to emphasize shapes and create a sense of drama and tension too, which is a really big draw to get your viewer to look at that image. The next really important thing is to fill in the gaps between the black and the white, between the contrast. I think our goal when processing an image in black and white is to cover the entire tonal range between black and white. All the in-between gray tones, the mid-tones, these gradations of light are what will help to create even more depth in the image to make it look almost 3D or three-dimensional. Just keep this in mind. I think that this is what really helps me when I start to do a black and white image and first, I know a lot of people do shoot in black and white in their digital camera, but I always want to have the option to have a color image if I wanted it. So I always shoot in color. I mean, I may like just look at it in the camera as a black and white if I have time. A lot of times we don't have time to do that, but pretty much I'm always shooting color and then doing any kind of conversion after I get back home in the computer. But just remember that the contrast is what will really attract you into the image. 
but the mid-grays will retain the viewer's eye to keep them there exploring the story, which is what you really want. You want your viewer's eye to stay in that frame as long as possible, exploring every nuance of that image. I think when you're out shooting, just experiment with different lighting conditions and exposure settings to find the perfect balance of shadows and contrast in your images. For me, the best moment to capture an image that will cover a large tonal distribution is when you have a scene that you're shooting that is not too contrasty. You don't want to be blowing out highlights or underexposing your shadows, unless they're meant to be, <laughs> you know, unless they're meant to be. But bright sunlight can really make your image too contrasty, and it can also create some really intense shadows that you can't recover from. But I think shooting on a cloudy or a semi-cloudy day when the sun is a little diffused is best for me personally. Just watch out for too much contrast when you're shooting. That's funny because I love how a bright day, like with lots of shadows and bright light. I mean, of course, you don't want to blow your highlights and black your blacks. But I love how that range from that really bright to the dark gives your image so much contrast. And so I go back and forth on that. Like sometimes I think my favorite images are the heavy contrasty images in black and white. So that's funny. I like your perspective on it. And I'm going to take basically what you said and expand on it a little bit with a few more elements for people to think about. A couple of things that I think, and I heard you, Phyllis, actually talking about this when we were at Cottonwood last year. If you know you see a scene and you know you want to create a black and white image in post from that, shoot that from the perspective of it's going to be a black and white image, even though you're shooting in color with the goal of converting it, like taking the time to actually think about all of those elements that you've already talked about. And then all of the elements I'm going to add to that, I think can be really important. It's going to further enhance the final outcome of that image. Okay, so a couple other things to look for. If you know you're shooting a black and white image or you're planning for a black and white image or you see a picture and you say, wow, this could be a really good black and white image. I might do some work on that. Not only are you going to be looking for the tone and the contrast that Phyllis talked about and the emotion that Kim talked about, that storytelling piece of it, but look for some other supporting elements that can really make that black and white pop. Look for things like texture, details, patterns, like repeating patterns within the image, lines and shapes and form. All of these things are enhanced when you take away the color and you put the image into a black and white form. And they're going to really change how your eye moves around that image. And like Phyllis said, you want someone to keep their eyes on the image as long as possible. Another area is negative space becomes even more important. The use of negative space, it's so much more important with a black and white image sometimes. It's interesting because I was thinking about, you know, I've been looking at the images that our photography participants have been posting from Art of the Cowgirl, and several of them have chose to turn those images from color to black and white. And part of that is because they were shooting in a covered arena, which wasn't the prettiest space, or they were shooting in really harsh light outside. And I don't know if they thought to themselves, I think this will look better in black and white, or if it was because when they looked at the image and they converted it to black and white as an option, these elements of texture and detail and pattern and lines that are often found in those types of event spaces become even more prominent. So I don't know how intentional they were in making those choices, but I do see a lot of times in those situations, a lot of black and white images coming from those scenarios. 
and like Kim said, I just want to reiterate, when you remove color, really the star of the show in any image becomes these elements that we've talked about. So removing the color really makes the emphasis become the composition. So your composition becomes so much more important and all of these elements of texture, details, pattern, line, shape, and form become even, even more important. I would just like to say sometimes also when converting an image to black and white, you can save that image. I hear people talk about that sometimes. This image was shot in a low light situation in a crappy arena or my brights were too bright or you know you just it was super grainy didn't love the image so i hear people say that a lot i kind of come from the thought of if the image is bad in color it's probably going to be bad in black and white unfortunately if the image is super noisy or it's blown out you're not going to be able to really fix that in black and white it doesn't mean you still can't do something with it or create something from it but i will warn people i have gotten myself in trouble by saving an image, showing it to a client, and then they decide they want to print it as a 40 inch. And you can't do that. It just can't be done because the image was bad from the get-go. Try to not think about black and white imagery as a way to save a bad image and try to create your images in a good way from the beginning. A couple of things. I have a little list here of do's and don'ts when creating black and white images that I was thinking about when we were putting this together. If you know you want to create a black and white image before you take the shot, just like I heard Phyllis, she was talking to one of our participants at Cottonwood, compose it by considering the elements we mentioned above. So plan for that black and white conversion, which means you've got to spend extra time looking at all of those elements that we've talked about today. So even though you're shooting in color, you know you're going to have black and white as your final outcome. I would also challenge people, don't just convert the image to black and white by desaturating the image. You want to be able to control the tone of each individual color. Like Phyllis was talking about tone and all the different tones that are made up in an image. You can actually go into Lightroom and Photoshop and it will let you control each of those colors in black and white to really enhance that contrast and that tonality. I will sometimes take an image and say, do I want to see this in black and white? And I'll just click the little black and white Lightroom option and it'll just convert it to a simple black and white. I never stay with that image. That I will convert to it and I will say, oh yeah, this has some promising attributes. I'm going to play with this a little bit. So I might do that, but I never click the black and white button and then I'm done. It always involves me playing with the tones, playing with those colors in black and white, and really putting some work into that image. I would suggest to add contrast, but try not to overdo it and accidentally blow out your highlights in your edit or push your darks to pure black. You want to be real careful with that, but definitely play with your contrast. That can really enhance a black and white image. And then I would just say, have fun with it. Feel free to play with the area of focus to increase sharpness and contrast locally. Use your dodge and burn options. Sometimes I'll spend more time on them than I will on a color image because I really want to control what the eye is looking at in that image and how the eye moves around the entire image. So you can do that beautifully in black and white with a little dodge and burn and by adjusting your contrast and that sort of thing. And then I know, Phyllis, you talk about Nick all the time and the Silver FX Pro. I was going to tell people that you can certainly create black and white images in Photoshop and in Lightroom, but there's also Nick has such a great program as well for their Silver FX Pro. So did you guys have anything you wanted to add to that? 
I think everything you said was fantastic. The only thing I would add is that I went ahead and made, I have some very specific things I like to see in my black and white images. And so I went ahead and made presets in Lightroom that are those to add to the presets that are already in Lightroom for black and white images. And I encourage you guys when you're making black and white images, so black and white images can be made off of different, what do they call the The channels? Oh, (laughs) boy, that comes into my head fast. Wow. Kara was worried. Kara was looking at me very worriedly like, Kim, what are the heck are you doing? But you can make black and white images off of each of those channels. And one of the things that I encourage you to do as a photographer, just to learn, just to learn, even if you have no intention of making this image black and white, is go to the channels area in your Photoshop palettes and just look at the image in each of the different channels because it starts to teach you how those colors really show up in your image. And you'll really notice a huge difference when you look at the different channels to understand how those channels affect the image. And then many times you'll find one of the channels that looks way better than the rest of the channels. And then that usually is for me, that's the baseline where I start to make my black and white image. If I'm in Photoshop, if I'm in Lightroom, what I tend to do is go first to the Lightroom presets. Actually, I go to my own now, but for somebody who doesn't have their own yet, I would recommend going to the baseline black and white Lightroom presets and just rolling your mouse through them just to see how your image might appear because those presets are similarly set up to what the channel pulls on Photoshop would be. I hope I didn't get too technical for folks there, but that's a little bit of a way to start to look at your images in a different light, so to speak. (laughs) I totally agree with that part about the channels, Kim. I had a good friend years ago that, well, actually a couple that I used to go to some workshops with. I mean, a very long time ago, but she was really into printing her own work and in camera and we were shooting digital at the time, but in camera, she was always had her histogram set to the RGB channel so that she could see exactly what she was getting in camera because she always had the mindset of taking that image to print. And so she was always really good about making sure everything was lining up well so that she would be retaining all the details in the highlights and in the shadows and whether it be black and white or color, but that's so important for printing that we have kind of lost track of these days because people just shoot, go out and shoot something and then they print it and then they don't realize that I don't care whether it's black and white or what you're printing. It's, you know, losing that detail and is very important. Yeah. Unless like it's a high key image and it's meant to be, you know, or you're doing a black background. Of course, you don't want detail in the black background. But I think that's something that we have really lost in today's world is those really basics of. And so I'm glad you brought that point up, both of you, about the channels, you know, about the RGB channels. Thank you. (laughs) I guess I'm showing my age now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, no, I just was listening to a podcast a couple of days ago and it was a photography podcast and they were just talking about how that idea of printing is so dead and it's not even thought about when people are shooting today. And which was strange to me because in my line of work, I'm always thinking about the print aspect because that's that's how I make my money on the back end is through print. And so I'm thinking about that a and lot. me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But they were talking about that piece of it. And I think for me, what I hope that 
photographers would get out of this episode. And the reason that I suggested it to when we were chatting about what to talk about today was that I hope that people will look at black and white and start being more intentional about it if they want to use black and white imagery and not use it as a last resort in editing to save an image or because they're not really sure what to do with a picture or they don't know how to handle the color. Or I would really like to see people be more intentional and shoot for black and white if they like black and white photography and really start thinking about how do I do this better and how do I create a black and white from the beginning versus once again, coming back to what do I do with this picture? Well, I could always slap a black and white filter on it and I'm done. So I hope people will go with it at some point. Well, I guess we're done for today. I hope that folks got something out of this and enjoyed the episode today and that you will go out and intentionally shoot some black and white imagery. We would love to hear what you think about the episode. So find us online at cowgirlswithcameras.com and on social media, Instagram and Facebook at cowgirlswithcameras. Oh, Phyllis, did you have something to add? I just want to leave us with one last parting words that Kim and I heard at Tammy's Rodeer. I'm going to cry again. <laughs> no, no crying. You've already heard this once because I said it to Kim earlier, but my new favorite phrase is ride forward. Yep. I love that. I think that is so cool. Just very simple. Ride forward. Keep going. Keep going and ride forward. <laughs> Thank you, Tammy. I love it. And keep going. And that certainly applies to equestrianism, but also photography and being a photographer, life in general. Everything. Everything we do, right forward. I love it. Let's leave these guys on a positive note. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cowgirls with Cameras. Don't let the laughter and learning stop here. Join our community on social media and be sure to visit our website for more opportunities to fulfill your photography goals. Head to cowgirlswithcameras.com. That's cowgirlswithcameras.com. See you next time.